Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made, my name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have dipped into that magical world of cinema that was 1992. And we're visiting Damon Wayans and Marlon <laughs> Wayans and Stacy Dash in Mo Money. Mo Money, Mo Money, Mo Money. This was Vince's selection for this. It was. Episode 202 of the Michelle Mission. But before we get into that, hey, Vince, we've got yes. emails, bruh. Oh, that's fantastic. What's going on in the mail room? Let us see. Let's look. We got a few emails, so let's dig right in. We got an email from Andres Jones. Hi, hey, guys. Andres. Hi, guys. I gave away my um, my share in the subject because the subject line was Django and Dr. King. Oh. I, I love your show. And I had never thought of this until one of you referred to Christopher Waltz's character as Dr. King in your Django episode. And it made me think how cool it was that Dr. King set Django free. In the poetics of the film. Oh. oh I, I I hadn't thought about that. That was his last name King in the movie? I I don't remember that. I don't remember. Wow. See, I guess we should read these emails first before yeah. we read them on air, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, 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 we, we we do it live. We do it live. <laughs> we do do it live. I hadn't yeah. thought I hadn't uh made that connection either. That that's a very striking connection. Let us look as we uh, dig into it and look up Django Unchained, because now now I have to know. I have to know the answer. Right, right. Uh, Christoph Waltz's character was Dr. King Schultz. King Schultz. How about that? Well done, Andres. Well done. Yes. Anyway, I am enjoying your episodes, so keep them coming. Uh, he mentions that he hosts a podcast himself called Radio 8 Ball, and they are in the middle of recording a film podcast about Warren Beatty with Kristen Lopez of the Ticklish Business podcast. I'd love to have both or one of you on as a guest when we get to Bullworth. Anyway, keep up the awesome work. Presently yours, Andres Jones. Oh, well, thank you, Andres. Sure, I'd be more than happy to step in and uh, talk a little Warren Beatty and Bullworth. Did you see that movie, Vince? Yeah. Bullworth? I've not seen Bullworth when it came out. I, last time we talked about Bullworth was, um, I think we were talking about Three the Hard Way. Mm -hmm. Because Bullworth is, is one of the few films where they tell the entire plot in the theme song. Proz to, I, like I think either Proz or ODB tell the uh, plot in Ghetto Superstar. That is true. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We've got another email. This is from Monique Gramby. Hey, Monique. Since Corona Lachey has shown her head behind. Oh. Has shown her behind. Um, I'm on lockdown and not riding the subway. 
My subway. I know that's right. My subway time was when I was catching up on my favorite men's aka podcast time since i'm home uh, writing non-stop and behind on your podcast classical music has been my white noise as i work from praise the lord i have that option but after i sign off i go straight to writing finishing a tv dark comedy that's keeping me sane during this corona mess and ideas are flowing but wanted to check in how you doing hoping you and your families are well and thriving much love we'll be getting back on track in the next week y'all are a beacon of light even before this mess miss you wash your hands and don't touch your face a physical distance bear hug to you too monique Oh, that was very thoughtful. Thank you, Monique. Thank you. How you doing, Lynn? You know what? I'm doing pretty well, Vince. I'm I'm a little stir crazy. I'm not, I'm not going to lie because um, okay, and it's not because I don't mind staying in the house. I'm cool staying in the house, but I miss interacting with people. And really, mm-hmm. since this all went down, the only person I've interacted with at all for any considerable amount of time has been Ariel Johnson uh, of Amalgam. And that's only because she too, like me, lives, we both live on our own. So we kind of like check in with one another and we'll do like like a, a grocery store run together or something like that. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. But other than that, all of my friends either have family or roommates that they're with, so I don't get to see them. My family has family, so I don't get I can't go see them. So I'm getting stir crazy for like like a physical connection f- with people. Just you know, like being in a room with somebody and just bouncing off the walls. That's got me going. I'm going. I'm going a little cuckoo off of that. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You know, I think we're all getting a bit of cabin fever. Obviously, it's four of us in here. And and we were talking a moment ago, you asked me had about work. And I think work, ironically, is helping because it helps to keep a schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's structure. Kind of, break, kind of break the day up, you know, trying to go out like we've been running a little bit, taking long walks, just kind of moving. And but but yeah, I hear you. I hear you about the stir crazy. Uh, school has started back, so my daughter is is in school, and 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 my son's uh, daycare teachers post something daily. Daycare and, is really is online too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, wow. yeah. So 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 his daycare, his teachers post things, and you know, obviously Wendy is working too. So I think schedules are helping. My son doesn't wear pants anymore. Like Adam is just pantless all the time. It, it's funny. I gave him a bath yesterday, and and it like just got him dressed because you know you, you just need to get dressed. And he actually looked at me when I handed him pants and said, "Where are we going?" <laughs> like okay. <laughs> he said, "You promised me no pants. Like why right. am I put no pants?" Right. Right. <laughs> Like I haven't had a haircut and I don't wear pants. So I'm just, I'm just wild and free. <laughs> so He's just, um, you remember the old Tarzan TV show? Exactly. He's boy. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. 
But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Let's just, just lock it down and get through it. Uh, since, since we're on the subject, uh, shout out to our friends in the South, our, our missionaries in Georgia. I would strongly suggest, damn y'all, governor, stay in the house. Yeah, yeah. Stay in the house. You, you know, got, got people in Texas, you know, all of these states that are kind of opening back. You know, I think we need to still ride it out. Yeah, so. me too. I do, I do not understand the thinking in Georgia. Um, but, and, oh, I absolutely understand the thinking in Georgia. You saw the first half hour of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> like, all he needs is that striped blazer that my man had on. Remember the mayor had the striped blazer? Yes, he did. Yes, we he did. We can't close the beaches. <laughs> we can't close the beaches. Richard, um, what's my man's name? Oh, Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus came in. Remember, he had the measuring stick. Yeah. He said, "You caught a shark, but you didn't catch the shark." The shark. That's right. And the mayor said, "Nah, we opening this boy. We got to keep the economy going." Yeah, and then remember his look when he was standing there on the beach, and they was all running by him because somebody Uh got bit. He was Uh standing there like shook. Right. Right. Right now, the governor of Georgia is the mayor from Jaws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the corona's coming for that ass. Right. So, y'all, stay in the house. Don't get bit. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. In Georgia and, and our fans in South Carolina, too. I think South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina, folks. Too. Yeah, all our people. Yeah, keep your ass in the house, man. Stop the stop the nonsense. Um, hey, Vince, uh, real quick before I get to the next email. A phenomenon came up when I did uh, this other podcast that I do, Spoiler Alert, which you can check on the Cult Pop Podcast Network, where we review comics, right? Yeah. And we were talking about how, oh my God, you know, we're in this pandemic, we're home, everybody's staying at home and everything. This is a great opportunity to catch up on all of those comic books that you said you were going to catch up on, to just been sitting there to be read. And then what happens is that you find yourself not reading those books, picking up, finding something else to pick up. And the same thing is when you look at the, your queue on Netflix or on Hulu or whatever streaming service. Oh, I finally get the chance to check out this show or whatever, this movie. And you find yourself looking at something totally different. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You, don't, you don't put a dent in your in your list. Like, I'm surprised that I was able to catch up on the expanse and altered carbon because the yeah. majority of my time as i have shared on here i think on here before has been more often than not spent on watching all of the seasons of king of the hill i am literally <laughs> i am literally right now about to go into season nine of king of the hill having watched every single solitary episode now I took time to check out Tiger King because I, you know, it was, it was my job. I had to watch right, Tiger right. You King. You had to, you had to. And you, Vince, made me sit down and watch uh, Mick Millions, the story yeah. story of that of the uh, McDonald's um, McDonald's monopoly swindle. That joke. How'd you like that? Yo, man, like, how do you? I mean, that is like 
that is like the Zen diagram of McDonald's corporate shenanigans and the Sopranos, like all wrapped up. <laughs> like low budget. For real, man. That John was insane, dude. Thanks for sh- shouting that out to me. That was that was pretty dope. Um, but then there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm sitting on that I'm not getting to, and I'm wondering if you fa- are you falling into that same trap. You, you, <laughs> you know what I've fallen into? So the Japanese company, I think it's Toei. It's, it's T-O-E-I. Toei, I don't know how yeah, you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a YouTube channel. Oh, Jesus. And they <laughs> I, I, Lynn, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. Lynn, they are playing... All of the television shows from the guess what decade? Guess what decade, Lynn? Guess what decade I love? The 70s. Lynn? <laughs> God damn. The toy shows from the 70s? Is that is that uh giant robot Johnny Sacco? Here's the crazy thing. I don't do the robot stuff. Really? I do like Kaikata. <laughs> that? I don't even know that. Let me tell you about Kakeda. So Kakeda is an android who was created for evil. Right. But now he fights for good. And you you like like I've been trying I've been tr- thinking about calling scheme for like the past two weeks. Because I think he's the only one that would appreciate it. But he's in disguise as a human. Okay. Okay. And he's a human that walks around with the kerchief around his neck. Oh, Lord. And a guitar. <laughs> oh, God, God. So, like, he plays a guitar. And then he turns into Kaikada. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he he's, <laughs> he walks around with his guitar and his little, and his little kerchief, you know, yeah. sing, singing songs. And yet he really is an android bent on destruction. And then, of course, Cayman Rider. Cayman Rider. He's, a, he's like even... a superhero. He's like a superhero, but like his whole deal is he looks like an insect, and usually he rides a motorcycle. <laughs> I, I, I do. I am not aware of these shows. Look, I can't even. I can't even remember all the names of all the shows on YouTube. But it's at the point now where like. Uh, Camille says, Daddy, are you watching your weird Japanese stuff again? <laughs> Is it even dubbed? It's probably not even dubbed. It's probably subs. Oh, no, it's all subs. It's all subs. It's all subs. It's fantastic. They have a YouTube channel, and it's like, um, it's Mask Rider Shin, Space Cop Sheravan. Like it's just all of these amazing shows. These have to be. But like I the... only watch. <laughs> and I only watch the ones from the seventies. These have to be like the early seventies, right? Um, all through, all through the seventies, mid to late seventies. Wow, I guess that's why I didn't hear of them. Like, cause I, yeah. I stopped. I guess my shows may actually be from the late sixties. Um, Johnny Sacco and Ultraman. Oh yeah. And, oh uh, yeah, that's too early. The Space Giants. 
Um, like Ninja Captor. Ninja Captor. <laughs> it's like seven people, and they dress up in outfits that don't look like ninjas. <laughs> yeah, it's all about throwing people off. <laughs> throwing them off the <laughs> right. scent. <laughs> right. So, so I haven't finished. I haven't finished. Um, altered carbon. Altered carbon. <laughs> the expanse. <laughs> like, like nothing. You ain't finished, Jack. I just, this, this is what I'm doing. Oh my god. Yeah, we may have to get scheme on. Maybe we'll see if we can get scheme on next week, so you can get you two can geek out for a good look, man. Ten it minutes. is amazing. It is amazing. These shows. The music is crazy. I can imagine because it's all like seventies horns. <laughs> I can just so, imagine. So, so, so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. So, so when we eventually do sit down with Dorian and he says, Hey, did you get a chance to check out my show? I know. I know. I know. I have like seven episodes. You know how it has a little joint where it says you say five episodes or you say however. And I just, I just said, look, man, I talked to my DVR. I said, look, man, just save all of them. Just say all of them. I know. I'm. I'm. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. Space cop Gavin. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll check out the YouTube show. Yeah. I'll, I'll see what's hit, what it's hitting for. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm. If I go to. If I'm going to go to the Toei YouTube show, what is the one show that I've got to check out first? Oh, Cayman Rider. Cayman Rider? Yeah, Cayman Rider. I'm, I'm sorry, Cayman Raider. Cayman Raider. Cayman Raider. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Cayman Rider, and it's Kai Cater, which is the other one. Cayman Rider is probably the most famous one. Like, Cayman Rider has a whole little, like, you know, it's it's like, you know, the the, the Super Sente that, mm-hmm. that, that they used for the, uh, for the Power Rangers. Okay. Okay. Like that's where all that Japanese. Wait a minute. This ain't on power lit because I can't. I can't stand the Power Rangers, man. So this is no, not no, no. that level of corn, no, is it? No, no, no. That's why you got to go to the seventies. Okay. All right. Yeah, but like Cayman Rider is like right under the Super Sente. Like they do Cayman Rider right now. Okay. But I also like Cockader because he he looks so bizarre. Because it's like, and his brain is exposed. Like, it's so bizarre. Okay. So, you know, just the, the design. So, Cayman Raider or Rider? Cayman Rider. Cayman Rider. Where they usually have the insect, like, uniforms, and it's a motorcycle involved. Okay. All right. That's the one I go but check then, But then, Cockader is the one with the crazy android, who I told you when he's in disguise, He's the dude with the guitar, and he got a kerchief around his neck. Yeah, that's the one I got to see. So that's Cockader. That's Cockader. I, I, I got I got to see I got to see this uh, wandering bandolero. Yeah, I got to see that. <laughs> and that's see. exactly what he is too. Because like dun, 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 dun. and like the the evil robots look up, and he'll be standing on top of like a wall. Oh my god! Damn. 
So wait a minute. I thought he was a bad guy. No, he he was designed to be a bad guy. Okay. But then the, the scientists that built him secretly made him a good guy. Oh, he, he kept the switch to good. Exactly. He flicked it up to good. And then, exactly. and then screwed in and welded shut the, <laughs> the pork. You making jokes, but don't pull me in. You pulled me in a little bit. Pulled you in. You. <laughs> I'm struggling to get out of this hole, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Oh, you glad this one is not on video. <laughs> You've never seen Vince look more kid-like <laughs> right now. All right. Uh, we got one last email, Vince. All right. And this is from our good friend, Mo Poplar. Hey, what's up, Mo? In defense of Tyler Perry. Okay. What's up, gents? Hope you're staying well. Glad you're still on the mission. This one is mostly for Vince because Len doesn't have the same passion for hating on Tyler. But Vince, I'm a fan, so let it go. Vince. I f- it feels like you're holding Tyler Perry to a standard you don't hold any 80s films to. The crimes okay. are real, but apply justice evenly, my dude. Any of the rom-coms in the 80s, were any of them realistic? Were these fumbling, mediocre, goofy dudes end up punching way above their weight on on the dating front? This is the great American myth that a mediocre dude, often with no job and no money, can go out <laughs> in the world and white privilege their way to happiness. Most early Tom Hanks, Matthew Broderick, John Landis flicks out there fit into this category. If you watch almost any Adam Sandler or Woody Allen film, you are committing to a logic that is stupid to the point of surreal formulaic to the point of cliche and self-indulgent to no end. There are plenty others doing this same thing, building audiences and making that money. And you are never negative about Perry's business acumen, but just the context of his genre. Most movies are clearly a false, nonsensical versions of work, romance, success, and American privilege. You're on the same page with me when it comes to race and America's cinematic preoccupations with magic negroes but most white directors get into the game get into the same ruts that perry does about other topics too that 80s trope of wayward white kids up to hijinks and adventure are they just badass kids breaking laws left and right with negligent parents nowhere to be found until the end i'm not out here caping for tyler perry films but uh, but you approach a lot of films thoughtfully and with context, and I don't want you you or y'all, I think he's pertaining to both of us, to become cliches talking about the cliches of one artist. Filmmakers are constantly referencing what came before, and that's what Perry's doing too. He's just centering the black every woman, but he can't do it without tearing down the black working the black working woman, just like family films hate rich real estate developers. I appreciate y'all, y'all doing the work watching these films. I'm not watching this movie. Never was gonna. Would hate to see y'all get jaded and stuck in a derisive Tyler Perry rut. You're doing the Lord's work, but don't get weary in well doing. Your friend, Mo. I think that's fair. 
I think that's fair. I, th- I think I think he's absolutely right that rom coms do operate with their own set of rules, and and arguably, oh lord, I forgot the name of the movie. We the, just watched it last week. Oh, the movie that he's referring to that yeah. was um, uh, nobody's fool. Nobody's fools. Yeah, arguably nobody's fool falls under that. So I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I feel checked. Okay. All right. I guess I guess his argument is fair. I think that um I think that the difference is, yes, there are directors that keep themselves in one frame of frame of mind of doing the same things. And yes, rom coms can fall into that a little bit of that rut, right? However, if you are an artist who aspires to um, different levels of creativity and in, do- in and in so doing growth in your art form um, and also are striving uh, and an artist that is striving to be taken serious in the art form of your choice, then I think that you owe it to yourself to sit back, examine what you've done and to show that progress in your work. And when that progress does not show, then I think it's fair to call it on the carpet. It's not so much that he may be still, he, he walks in that rom-com, uh, world for the most part. I mean, that's it. That's his meal ticket. That's his meal ticket. I think he tries to walk in the family side as well. And sometimes walk into the drama slash melodrama world as well. But like you said, and like Mo says, he knows his audience and he's reaching out to these two black women predominantly. That's fine. But when you are as a director making you know typical first time second time third time director mistakes and you're still making those same mistakes 20 30 sh- movies in almost to the degree and and you're being defensive about your mistakes you're being defensive about some of the the shoddy craftsmanship that is starting to bleed through on the screen, then I think it's fair to hold you accountable to that. I I didn't get that from the letter. Like, I don't think there's any argument about his technical deficiencies. Like, like what I thought he was talking about is, is sort of our critique and certainly my critique on the logical holes in this film, okay. which, you know, in, in our defense or in my defense, I think that's part of an overall pattern in Tyler Perry films mm-hmm. where, you know, my, my running joke about how I don't think he understands how life works. Right, right, right. But regardless of that being a pattern, if we acknowledge that, like you said, he, he, he kind of moves in and out of different genres, mm-hmm. this particular film I think it is fair to say would fall under rom-com. Right. And romantic comedies 
as a form do have this rhythm and they do have these rules. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do think to Maurice's point, perhaps it's unfair to judge his romantic comedy for, for kind of these leaps of logic when that's what romantic comedies do. Yeah, see... You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. He gets a a genre pass with this, basically. Yeah, see, I still... I still... I still... uh, cry BS on that, because... Um, while there are, there are certain leaps of logic passes that you will give certain films and certain story certain stories, right? Um, and rom and rom coms as a whole, yes, do ask you to maybe you know suspend your level of dis, of disbelief a little bit at times, right? Right. The the degree that you have to be an Olympic leaper when you are watching Tyler Perry's film and you are leaping over disbelief from the opening credits to the end is far too much. It's way too much than the better rom-coms. I'm not going to say that there aren't rom-coms that are, you know, um, comparable to him, but again, this is where I'm, I'm talking about. This is a guy this is this is not this is not um uh what's the boy's name uh i can't forget this is this is not like a first time director making a rom-com and he's kind of he's making a whole bunch of mistakes right this is a guy who's 20 years in the game he's done this thing like he should be at a point where even if he is just on cruise control can get out a good rom the rom-com where the leaps of logic are few and far between you know uh and that's not the case well and but i mean i guess now we come back to the place we always come back to where where you say he should be doing something because he's been doing this for so long and 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 you know the whole argument about honing your craft and then i come back with his audience loves him and it sells. So I, I, I mean, <laughs> Oh no, like, I'm not hating on the boy's success. I just would. No, I no, no. Want it's more not, talking about hating on, not talking about hating on his success. I'm talking about there's actually nothing to prompt him to do something different. I, I guess, I guess he, he, he you know, cause the, like you're right. It sells. So, right. Like I tease you sometimes about, we have a perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm. Like it's actually perfect. It's no reason to be trying to dip it in chocolate and all this old different stuff. Like it's perfect. I think Tyler Perry can make that same argument. Like what I do works. Maybe so, so. you know, all you people in the peanut gallery, look. Maybe so, but also the writing may have been on the wall for him a little bit. Nobody's Fool was his least successful feature film. Um, even though, I mean, it turned a profit, but it was decidedly his least successful. The right. Ba- he's um, been weathering huge backlash because of the 
the movies and work that he's been releasing on Netflix. So, and people are starting to, I think people are maybe growing a little weary of his shtick and he might, he want to, may want to, I mean, I guess we've been saying that for three years. Well, Hey, it, it, it may take time, but I think the worm may be turning. He might want to put his eyes on the, on the rear view mirror. Right. That's right. all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah. but thank you, Maurice, as usual. As always, Maurice, it was a very thoughtful email and we yeah. appreciate it. Most definitely. All right. And before we get to our review, ladies and gentlemen, I just... Uh Uh-oh, we're still taping. Yes. Before we get to our review, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you to send all of your feedback. Email us. if We want to hear from you, too. Email us at MeshowMission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on all the social medias at MeshowMission. That's on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter. And also join our Facebook group, MeshowMission, where we have a whole lot of fun rocking and rolling and talking movie stuff with each and every one of you. And Vince and I, we started a, a YouTube channel. Check out the Show oh. Mission on YouTube, <laughs> where you will see some of our uh, our recorded live shows that'll be up there. I believe our show that we did with Ariel Johnson is up on our YouTube channel right now. Um, All right. So there's a little uh, little uh, photo slideshow of our 200th episode. At World Cafe Live that's up on our YouTube channel so check all this out and we're going to be putting more stuff we're going to do some more live stuff when I can talk Vince into it um, check it out so become a subscriber yeah, yeah, on our YouTube channel so you don't want to miss it alright All right. now it's time for our review of Mo Money we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it Fumigate my wisdom on the 
1992 American romantic crime comedy directed by Peter McDonald and written and starring Damon Wayans. The film also co-stars Stacey Dash, Joe Santos, John Deal, Harry Lennox, Bernie Mac in his film debut, and Marlon Wayans. The film centers around Damon and Marlon who are brothers and con men out in these streets who bungle their way into this crazy credit card scheme that's being taken place at this company in which Stacy Dash works. And during the midst of it, they run afoul of the good cop trying to look out for them, Joe Santos. This comedy, this romantic comedy, was Vince's selection for this stop on the Michelle mission. Vince, what say you of Mo Money? You know, a few years ago, we were talking about the economics of filmmaking mm-hmm. and specifically black filmmaking. And, you know, I, I don't know if you remember there was that article in the New York Times where they interviewed the black directors and they were saying that they were in what they called the film ghetto and so on and so forth. Like they couldn't get finance and um, filmmaker, I believe Rick family, Samoyua, and I might maybe mispronouncing his name. He directed dope right. talked about the $10 million film. Okay. And how, you know, he, if, if you can make a film for $10 million, it works and it turns a profit. And he talked about all these films, in the nineties, like you had that kind of run of black movies mm-hmm. that cost about $10 million. And because they, the, the costs were kind of low, you could just make them. And this film, I just looked it up. It, it says it costs 15 million to make, but in my mind, it kind of fits into what my friends always call the regular black movie. Okay. Okay. You, you know, like it's not the highfalutin thing like, like you know, Sankofa or Daughters of the Dust or, or even, you know, the Spike Lee films from the 90s. But at the other, on the other hand, it wasn't something like, like those kind of pre-Tyler Perry low-budget movies. Mm-hmm. It was just a regular movie. And I think this is very much a film that falls into that. Like, I think my ultimate critique of Mo Money is that it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's an okay movie. Like you said, uh, written by Damon Wayans, starring Damon Wayans, and he plays this character, Johnny Stewart, who is a low-level criminal, basically. Like, like he runs scams, and he runs all this stuff. Runs into Stacey Dash, mm-hmm. and 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 kind of goes and try and gets a job in Stacey Dash's building trying to chase her down and right. then finds himself drawn into this credit card scheme. And Damon Wayans is not bad. I, I think there's there's a part towards the end where they they, they kind of tr- try to turn him into an action hero, which I've never really bought him in action. Yeah. But like, you know, there there are people he was in a film a couple of years before this the last Boy Scout that has its fans. Was that before this? Never, wow, I didn't realize that was before yeah. this. Yeah. And and I never really, but 
But for the most part, Damon Wayans, I think, has charisma. Damon Wayans is charming. Um, I think Damon Wayans is funny. Like, there are a couple of bits in here where they go broader than I like. But I think that's what he does. Stacey Dash, as the love interest, I have to say, I haven't seen this film in a few years. And I always thought Stacey Dash's job in Mo Money was just to be good looking. Mm-hmm. Like I'm Stacy Dash, I'm good looking. I'm basically the MacGuffin to get things moving. But I have to say, she had more personality than I remember. And I think I like Stacy Dash's character because she's kind of prickly. Like, like you get the sense that this is a woman who has looked like Stacy Dash probably since she was 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. and she's heard everything. Like, dudes have been coming at her since she was 15, 16 years old, and she's heard it all. Right. And she has this kind of prickliness to her that I thought worked really well. Marlon Wayans plays his younger brother. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I think I mistakenly said that Keenan was Keenan put um, Marlon in this movie instead of Kadeem Hardison, but obviously it was Damon who put uh, Marlon in this movie instead of Kadeem Hardison. And Marlon's not bad, I have to say. I don't know if there's a version of this movie in a parallel future, parallel universe with Kadeem Hardison, I mean, Kadeem Harrison, where he's better than Marlon. Like, I think these two have a, an easy and breezy relationship. You believe, obviously, that they're brothers. Because, mm. you know, they are brothers. Um Santos, as you mentioned, has a really, I would say, important supporting role as this Raymond Walsh character, who is um, the partner of of the Stewart boys' deceased father. Right. Like their father used to be a policeman, and he's and he was um, their partner, his partner, and now he's looking out for him. And you know, Joe Santos is one of those great '90s character actors. Yes, he is. Where where I think he was kind of hatched to play <laughs> grizzled detective. Right, right, right. Like, that's just who he is. But I thought he brought a nice groundedness to the film. Mm-hmm. Because while Damon Wayans and Marlon Wayans are in this this film, and, and you know, Damon is halfway in this crime uh, syndicate, he's halfway, halfway, um, wooing Stacey Dash, like you said, there's a romantic element to it. I like the fact that the script establishes that Joe Santos's Raymond Walsh character is kind of slowly but steadily doing this detective work. Yeah, yeah. Like every three or four scenes, you see him putting together this case. Right. And it feels authentic. And like I said, it adds this, it, it kind of grounds this movie in a, in a nice way. Likewise, John Deal is another one of these 90s actors who sort of was hatched to play psychotic villain. Mm-hmm. And I like his I like him in this role. Um it's an hour and a half, so it's lean, which I appreciate. Um again, it was okay. Were there quibbles with it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Harry Lennox. As um, as Stacey Dash's character's initial boyfriend 
is 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 very one note. Like like he's very much the the the, the stick up his behind black guy. Right. And right. and everything about him, like like I love the fact they got in the car. She got in the car with him, and he's listening to classical music. Because of course, what else would he be listening to but classical music? Mm-hmm. Or or he has tickets for the opera. Because what else would like a 32, 33-year-old black man who's uppity want to do but go to the opera and listen to classical music? But they get him off the stage fairly quickly. That's true. Like, true. like he's not a huge part of the plot. Um, there, there is a, another, you know, kind of subplot. There, there's a character um, named Charlotte, played by Alma, Alma Yvonne, and it's a really icky and, and dare I say, kind of mean spirited little subplot. A little bit. Where she's, you know, she's a darker skinned actress. She's tall, and the whole joke is how unattractive she is, mm-hmm. and then how she's kind of sexually aggressive. And just visually, when you kind of couple her with Stacey Dash's lighter green-eyed character, who's the one that everybody wants, it it I'm, I'm going to say it doesn't age well. But I remember feeling a little like this this is kind of unnecessary. Like I remember thinking it was unnecessary even in 1992. Like it was just sort of mean for mean's sake. Yeah, especially the part where she. Um wakes up her and Seymour Marlon Ca- Marlon Wayne's character wake up the 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 morning after and right. he basically just throws her out the house with $2 in her hand. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's again, it's just unnecessary. It doesn't move the plot. It just seemed like something mean that was added. Yeah. But besides that, you know, the direction is nothing to write home about, but it's serviceable. I thought this was an okay movie. Well, I'm glad you thought that it was okay, Vince. Uh, I think that it's it is an okay movie in spite of itself, uh, and I think okay. and I think that is strongly comes down to the charisma of Damon Wayans who has solid charisma, is not a bad actor, is not a bad physical presence, um, despite what he what he wears. I'll tell you what doesn't age well in this movie. 80s, uh, you know, or early 90s fashion does not, <laughs> does not age very well in this movie. I'm because... I distinctly remember seeing this movie in the in in the theaters and be like, "Hey, that's kind of like a cool hat." Oh, look at the jeans, kind of cool. He had the best Stussy hat collection. He did. He, Stussy hat. He did, but everything else was very suspect. It was yeah. it was very like, what the hell is this man wearing? It, 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 this is not boomerang. That's that's what we've learned. This is not Boomerang. The fashions of Boomerang, some of those you could still wear today and you still be rocking. The fashions of Mo Money, eh, nah, 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 bruh. Leave that on the VHS. So, um, (laughs) so like, so his fat, so his charisma carries a lot of the film, right? The other thing that carries a lot of this film is Joe Santos and his storyline of him being like this grizzled cop. He was so much because it's so much of his acting and his scenes, which were strictly police work. 
reminded me of the best of Columbo that I almost wish that this was just his movie or this, if there was a, uh, in another universe, a sequel to Mo Money was just his character as a detective walking around solving, solving crimes because he, yeah, he, I agree. he was just so spot on. I, I loved every moment that was spent with him and he was so good in those scenes and those scenes were so grounded. Those scenes were what were, were good, but they stand out in this film, which is supposed to be a romantic comedy, but it's also supposed to be kind of like a crime caper. And it also has visages of being an action film because the right. movie to be a romantic comedy, I think first and foremost, which is what this film is, it opens up with a daring card chase and, yeah. and a, oh, yeah. a very brutal and kind of graphic death scene that happens and yeah. right the, the the jump this off and and now it's like hey now it's time for laughs you know this yeah. guy gets his neck snapped um and then you and then you cut to a scene from in living color more or less with yeah. <laughs> with uh Damon Wayans uh so i think that tonally the movie doesn't hold together very well because it doesn't know whether or not it wants to be an action action movie or a romantic comedy. It's like Damon Wayans, who we have to put a, a little bit at uh, rest at his feet because he wrote the screenplay. He wrote the film. Is trying to be his get his full fledged Eddie Murphy on. Eddie Murphy was decidedly a romantic could be a romantic lead and an action lead. The difference is is that in the films where he was asked to be both, he could pull that off because the film itself knew what it was. He was either romantic in an action movie or there were bits of action in a romantic movie. It wasn't well, the two the trying question. to be the same. Here's the question, because I couldn't think of it. What is an action movie that Eddie Murphy made where he had a romant a romantic had a love interest? That would be The Golden Child. The Golden Child is an action movie, yet mm-hmm. he does have a romantic uh lead in there. There is there there is a love scene. In there, there's a romantic element to his connection to the young woman who he basically is going out look, looking to save the golden the golden child with. Do you think the golden child works? I don't think the golden child necessarily. I don't think the golden child works on a whole, but tonally it 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 does work. I think I think there there are other things that that cause it to be a problem, but it decidedly is an action film that has some comedy in it and a, a little piece of romance, but it first and foremost is an is an action film. Okay. You know. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. So, but this film that, that was a good point about Eddie Murphy. This this film is all over the place, you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, I don't knock Damon Wayans, especially in 1992, especially given an opportunity to showcase himself, you know, full-fledged on the screen. I don't knock him trying to to put his best face 
face forward and show that, you know, Hollywood that, yo, I can give you I can give you all the shades of Eddie and even a little Denzel if need be. You know, Um, I just think that that's asking a lot of this story. And I also think that's asking a lot of the director, Peter McDonald. And I don't think that he necessarily um, proved up to the challenge in this film. The other thing that is letting him down is that John Deal as the the villain in this movie, he decidedly is twirling his mustache the whole whole movie and he's having fun and he definitely has like that kind of like douchey creepy look on his face all the time that you want the yeah. best you know white privileged villains to have in a film like this. So he's having fun. But Everyone else in this film, I feel like is just not not hitting. You mentioned uh, Marlon Wayans and I'll start with Marlon Wayans. I'm not going to knock Marlon Wayans as a film, as an actor, because I've seen Marlon Wayans do actual acting that was very, very um, captivating. Uh, especially, right. in, but this is his first film. But this, well, it's either like his first or second film or something like that. Yeah, but no, nah, this is it. This is it. This is this is his debut. This is his first film. That's right. Introducing Marlon Wayans. Okay. All right. So, so either way, I'm not going to knock him so much. Um, the fun, the funny thing is, is that you say that their chemistry uh, comes comes out, and I say the. Chem- the chemistry that I sense in them is the chemistry of two people who both know they know which one is supposed to be funny in this scene, right? Okay. But I didn't get a, a, a sense of chemistry of them as brothers. And I think the reason be, for that is because there are scenes, not a lot, but there are scenes in this film where Marlon Wayans' character is asked to actually just be a brother, to actually kind of tone it down and be kind of like a little close to real in this scene. And I don't okay. and I don't feel that he does that in any of the scenes. Um, and because of that, I feel because I feel like he is he is on almost the entire movie. He, he, for some reason, I just didn't feel the track with him and, and David Wayans as brothers in this film. Of course, I can recognize that they are brothers. And yes, when they basically are called to do one or two skits in the film, which also mm-hmm. don't wear very well, because there's one no, skit at a, at, a, at a convenience store that you could not get away with today. Um Damon Wayans basically acting as a mentally challenged person in in the convenience store in the way that he does. You could not get away with that today. Um, well, the two flamboyantly gay men who they're making AIDS jokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one, too. I, I totally. Yeah. That that one, especially. Yeah. That also doesn't age well. Does not age well. Does not age well at all. It probably doesn't. To be honest, probably didn't age that well in 1992. I was about to say, and it, it wasn't that cool in 92. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so but but that notwithstanding their their pairing in those skits. You know, yes, they're playing, you know, okay, well off of each other. But I myself, I actually would have been interested to see Kadeem Hardison do this. I would have been actually more interested to see a an actor 
who can do comedy, comedic acting in this role, in the role of his brother. I actually I actually think I it would have serviced the film a little bit better. Okay. And Stacey Dash, this is not her film debut, even though this is surprisingly before Clueless. Um, yeah, Clueless is that. still three years later, and that's the movie that like really catapulted her. So, um, if you want to say that maybe she was just earning her, you know, earning her chops with this film, paying her dues, then maybe so. Nevertheless, she's the st- second lead, so that means that part of this film is supposed to rest on her shoulders. And I feel that she actually let lets this film down. I don't feel that there is any chemistry between her and Damon Wayans in this movie. I don't feel that she is present in any of the scenes that she is in in the movie, regardless of whether or not they're with Damon Wayans or regardless of whether or not they're with Harry Lennox, who basically is given a thankless role that's in and out of the movie. And and right there, you're wasting one of the better acting talents in this film. Um, so I think that a stronger performance from her, because I'm not going to say necessarily that she didn't ha- doesn't have it in her. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of Stacey Dash work, so I can't say that. But I think that a stronger performance from her would have would have serviced this film a lot more as well. So at the end of the day, as much as I did laugh on a little bit of the film, I didn't find myself laughing a whole lot. I thought Damon Wayans is, like I said, he has a presence comedically and physically to maybe pull off the the action role because I did believe him in the last Boy Scout. I liked him in the last Boy Scout. It's a big dumb action movie, um, but he is definitely the the straight guy in that film for the most part, and I and I and I believed it. In this film, I just don't think it all congeal gels together well and i think this is just more than anything a a miss and it did nothing for me okay i think that's fair like i said i'm not gonna fight that much about no money you know what else i liked about the film though the soundtrack oh i do like the soundtrack but i was gonna say the 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 whole credit card scam with the stolen credit cards Right. I love the fact that he was caught immediately. Oh, yeah. 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 Because in the history of those dudes, the credit card dudes, they always get caught immediately. Oh, yes. 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 It never works. The credit card stuff never worked. And it was always credit card guys in the 90s. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it, it was always stolen credit card guys. And when they got caught, it was always like, I love the fact that they said exactly what we all used to say to each other when the credit card got got caught. You know, tampering with the mail is a federal thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've had half a dozen conversations about that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, such and such real, he, he got real hemmed up. You know, tampering with the mail is a federal offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, yeah, it never works. It never works. So, I, I, I like that. I like that as, as well. I mean, that, that, that's cool. Um, it, 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 it did take me back a little bit, you know, uh, 
the running the credit running the credit card and and sometimes <laughs> them not really asking for an ID, they just swipe it. You just keep it moving. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Uh, it's just, it's it goes back in time. Oh, those were the days, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, my, oh yeah. Oh my God, man. Um, the fact that that's actually the plot. I know, right? Like that's actually part of the like that's the plot. <laughs> They're running credit card scams. By stealing credit cards out of they're stealing pre-approved credit cards out of envelopes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a night like the only other scam they could have run was the um was the CD club scam. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, and you know those guys they were running scams like they, I do have to say their television scam and open the film was uh pretty brilliant. <laughs> yes, but I'm not really sure what that guy thought he was going to get. Buying the uh, three hundred dollar television from that building. Me neither. Me like neither. I don't know how, how he thought that was a good idea from the beginning. <laughs> Different times. And talking about tonal shifts, like the the crazy drunk guy from In Living Color, ODs on heroin. <laughs> I said, "Wow, this is a little intense." <laughs> well, I mean, this movie is big time intense, man. I mean, you're talking about a film that has, you know. Him and Stacey Dash in a in in a montage walking around, falling in love, and la di da di da di da. And yet one of the lasting images of this film is somebody hung. <laughs> <laughs> also, somebody beaten to death in the subway. Oh, that's and right. Someone is doing the congas. You're right. Totally, it's all over the place, and and I, I also think you're 100. I was trying to figure out what makes Beverly Hills Cops work, mm-hmm. and something like this not work. And and you really, you really said it. Like like you really, it, it, it just clicked in my brain that there's too much going on in here. Like like you can't be a comedy and an action movie and a romance like you almost like you you have to pick your element you can be all three but, but you, they like you, you, they've got to be one story i mean you say that but like the the example that you used with Eddie Murphy in the golden child like like i don't think the golden child works at all <laughs> and and i think part of it is it was just too much going on. And and I do think you have these films, these post-Belly Hills cop films, mm-hmm. where they do try to I believe the genre. Right, right. And, 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 you know, the other thing, to your point, you, you know, something right out of Living Color, I, I think you have a bit of, of what happened with something like I'm Going to Get You Sucker where it's almost like the action stops so that we can have a skit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, certainly the skits are are framed as them running hustles. So it's a little smoother. Mm-hmm. But it still kind of adds to that tonal whiplash that you're right. talking about. Right, yeah. And, it, and, and at the end of the day, it just doesn't make for a, a good thing. The w- one thing I did learn watching this film 
it, uh, if you noticed it in the opening credits, because Damon Wayans wrote and is the star of this, he is actually one of the producers of the film. So That's right. the production company is my wife and my kids production. Yeah, right. Which, which is which is his long time. Yeah. Which will soon be the name of his long running sitcom. Yeah. Soon after. Yeah. So that that was kind of cool to see that. It's like, oh, okay, I see where. Which you know, speaking to something that that I, I talked about, you know, that I always admire about the Wayans family, regardless of of some of their product. Dumb Wayans are hustlers. Oh yeah, true that. True you know, that. they are hustlers, and and you have to appreciate that Damon put this project together. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote it, he helped get it financed, and he put it out, and it did okay. Like like you know, it made forty million. Yeah, it it did okay on a fifteen million dollar budget. I mean, it wasn't a big, yeah. a, you know, you know, super success. It wasn't that Eddie Murphy movie, but um, it made back its money and then some. It would, and it did keep him, Damon Wayans, doing doing movies for a short time. You know, he had a little yeah. bit of a movie career for for a minute there. Well, you know, it's funny looking at his IMDb. He's he's actually had a pretty interesting film career. Really. Like, like he does, like he'll do something like this, you know, he'll do something silly like Blank Man. Right. And, um. Even though as, as, as silly as Blank Man is, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's more there in Blank Man. As silly as it is, it's, it's, it's a little deeper, you know? You know what? People make that argument. I've never really understood the, the hidden depths of Blank Man. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Perhaps yeah. I'm wrong, but I remember right, but there you, being deaths. <laughs> right, but you know, he's like in major pain. He's in bamboozled. Like he does have this, like you want to talk about weird tonal shifts. When's the last time you watched major pain? I'm pretty sure it's been since it came out. It's a pretty bizarre film. I believe it. It's a pretty bizarre. Isn't that him trying to be like, like he's like a a drill sergeant or something like that? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, he was in the Great White Height, which I'm a real fan of. Oh, I've seen that movie. That wasn't a bad movie. Yeah, I like the Great White Height. So you know, I kind of I appreciate Damon Wayans' career. And, you know, something like this, for someone who is so scattershot, like you said, it's a myth. But when you're kind of all like, that's what you do. You hit and you miss. Yeah. Yeah. God bless him. And, you know, he, he shot, he shot a shot. And for the most part, he connected. He didn't connect with me, but he connected with Vince. And maybe he'll connect with you, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Mo Money and let us know what you think of this film. So you didn't ask me. Vince, would you Me. recommend people watch Mo Money? Eh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an hour and a half. <laughs> like, if it's on. Like, if it's on, go ahead, watch it. Well, I mean, that's not fair. See, I... I uh, Okay. Okay. I guess if it's on, you can watch it. But me, I have I, a very, I have a very tepid recommendation of Mo Money. That, that's it's very tepid. That's very tepid. Okay. Okay. It's a tepid recommendation. All right, but that's your recommendation. But let, let's let's work that recommendation a little bit. You say if it's on, watch it. If you're flipping through the channels and you come across Mo Money, do you stop 
or do you keep looking and then if you don't find nothing else, eh, I watch more money. I was about to say that's exactly what you do. Like you do your due diligence. Okay. Okay. You see, you, you like you see if it's a good documentary on. You see, like, is it black people on Judge Judy? <laughs> you, you know what episode of Sanford and Son is on? Like, you you do all of that. Here, here's your Sophie's Choice, Vince. <laughs> Mo Money, Tohi Yuhu, uh, YouTube. Channel. Oh, oh, oh! I'm definitely turning to Tohi. Right, I'm a suit. <laughs> Hey, Lynn, 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 let's be clear. All of this channel flipping, looking at documentaries and Judge Judy, that's because my family's in the room. <laughs> if I'm in a room by myself, yeah, it's time for cockada. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I, my, I myself, I can't recommend Mo Money. I can't. There are other films to watch. Before we get to what we're reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to check out the Michelle Mission. It's available as a podcast any place that podcasts are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. If that's where you get podcasts, look up the Michelle Mission and that's where you'll find us. The Michelle Mission is also available as a radio show every, when is it? Hey, I'll tell you. It's every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, here in the city of brotherly love. And you can also check out the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Wake up with the Michelle Mission on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Thepodglomerate.com, curated podcast for your ears. All right, Vince, next week on the, the Michelle Mission, I have been like, you know, playing it very light. Um, you know, we did like knocked it out the box. We're trying to get like the bigger name movies um, leading up to 200. And then we played it a, a light for a little bit. But now I'm going back to my favorite thing about the Michelle Mission. And I am digging in the crates. I'm okay. digging deep in the crates. And in doing so, I went back to... Vince's favorite decade. All right. The 70s. All right. Keep it funky. But I, unlike Vince, I, you know, can see past 1975 and actually okay. went into 1978 with a little oh. slice of life family comedy slash drama set in South Central Los Angeles, starring none other than Cicely Tyson, Paul Winfield, okay. and Larry B. Scott, directed oh. by Ralph Nelson, and based on a story by the screenplay writer Alice Childress. We will be oh. reviewing A Hero, A Nothing But A Sandwich. A Hero, A Nothing But A Sandwich. That's right. That's all right. That's what we will be reviewing next week on the Me Show Mission. Hope you can join us, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vince. 
I'm Len, and in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.